This episode of the Haunted Road Trips show is brought to you by evidential medium Tracy St. Croix. Most of us grow up hearing statements, beliefs, and judgments so frequently that as adults, our lives are subconsciously managed by them. Are you aware how this spaghetti highway expands into every issue of life, from relationships to money, fears, and beyond? Visit www.tracystcroymedium.com and sign up for a remapping session that gets you off the spaghetti highway so you can change your mind and change your life. Welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show, where we bring you powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before, up until now. Tune in and become part of a community that enjoys the thrill of finding out what the paranormal world wants to teach you and solve the issues. Be sure to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, prepare to have your thirst for curiosity satisfied as you enjoy ghost stories, haunted house stories, and more. Okay, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show podcast with the Honorable (laughs) Miss Elaine Ireland is going to be my talking (laughs) guest tonight, and I am so super excited to have her uh, come and just have a conversation. She is a tarot master. Uh, She is a mentor. She is a teacher. She has been there, done that two times and had enough t-shirts worn out. She knows what she's (laughs) doing. And she is hot stuff, ladies and gentlemen. And I am honored to call her one of my nearest and dearest people in my life. She started out as a mentor. And uh, if you've read my my book, you know the story of how we met. And maybe we can review that at some point because it is quite funny. <laughs> it wasn't funny at the time, but it's, it's one of those things funny. that you can laugh about now. Um, so I am so excited. Elaine, hello. How are you doing? Hi. Thank you for that elaborate uh, introduction. <laughs> thank you. It's good yes. to be here. It's it's good to know that you're doing that you're doing a podcast. That's how fun for you and for your people. How fun. Yes, I I absolutely love it because one thing that you did teach me was about we are here to educate the public. Yes. Share, share, back up and educate. Yes. Share, back absolutely. up and educate. And talking about back up, let's back up. So okay. why don't you go ahead and stun the audience and how long have you been reading and where did you learn how to first learn tarot? Through my lineage, the women in my lineage. My grandmother, there were tarot. My grandfather was a, a minister, Baptist minister, very, very open-minded. And the only reason he was Baptist was because that, I mean, Baptist was, that was the closest school he could go to. So the household was a nice mixture of Bibles and tarot cards and which I have no idea what happened to her deck. It somehow when she passed away it got lost. There was only one of those. Um, a few books, few books. 
but a lot of talk, a lot of open-mindedness, a lot of open-mindedness. They were country folk, um, and, and of course, you can, country folk, that term is used across the United States, but it's particularly, particularly from the South, I think, country folk kind of thing, but uh, chickens and horses and corn and wheat and all that sort of thing but they also owned businesses so again there was a nice balance of the logic earth earth itself water earth as well as the metaphysical slash religion and a lot of respect a tremendous amount of respect for everybody's belief systems it was a a a very uh, open household in terms of conversation of course the social um energies were there was always a right and a wrong there was always my I can't remember my grandmother ever calling my grandfather anything but Mr. Townsend wow and and he always called her by her first full name never a nickname never a lot of respect and but but it behind closed doors and in their home with us they had nicknames but there is again that that balance of privacy so to speak um and so the women, your your mother, your grandmother, your great grandmother taught you I never about got, to row. I never got to meet my great grandmother oh. ever. But, but but my grandmother and my aunt, but my aunt was a little um she was a teacher and had taught for the state of Texas for, well actually she taught for the county she she taught for the county when she was seventeen. And by the time she was twenty one, she was considered a full fledged teacher even though she hadn't gone to Mary Harden Baylor yet. And the state suggested that she get a proper certification. And Mary Harden lived near, was nearby, so she was able to go there. But that was so long ago that trains and buses and private people got books to the schools. And yeah. she literally would buy a new car every year because she would load up her car with supplies and books and hand deliver them. Or she would escort big boxes on the train to different schools. And she's a young woman running around all over Texas doing this. But she wasn't the only one. I'm sure other people out there have stories about their family as well. So teaching was in our family is the point that I'm getting at. And sharing knowledge and, and yet staying in touch with Earth. And they were in the middle of the country. They were near lakes, but not oceans. I'm sorry? You had a good mix in the household. Yes, very, logic very and much. intuition. Very much. And how old were you when you when you started table reads? Seventeen, officially seventeen. The mother of a friend of mine in high school asked me if I would do a reading for her because they were from out of state, and I don't remember from where. And she'd been getting readings in her home state and hadn't for a long time. And I was one of the weird ones in school. There were three of us, four of us. Shocker. And a shocker, right? And um, there was a, um, well, that's another whole story. But as whispers go and rumors fly, I could do readings, you know. And my reaction was, don't you want my my mom or my grandmother to read for you? No. I want you to read for me. So she asked my mother very properly. Mother looked at me and she said, you can't accept any money. And I'm going, that's a no-brainer mom and the lady said oh no 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 and she gifted me with three pillows beautiful pillows one I had admired at their home on the couch 
and uh, the other two she had hand covered. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, what year was this? I don't know. We'll have to go back in time, sweetie. I I think I'll be 78 this summer, and okay. I was 17. Okay. So okay. that'll give the audience, you know, gives us a little perspective. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Came for readings with pillows. Yeah. Well, I was I was not a seasoned reader and uh and I was very young. So the lady was appreciative. The couches stayed on my aunt's couches for many, many years, even after mom and daddy bought their first home and we moved. And um but that was for years before I took money. People would bring plants and I'm a Leo. If they found out I was a Leo, there was some little statue of a lion or picture of a lion. You know, some something yeah. sweet. Sometimes it was food. I uh, years and years and years later, I did a reading for some Taiwanese family, and they brought food to feed an army. Wow, an army! And it was my mother and my aunt and my grandmother's first exposure to Taiwanese food, and they loved it. They loved it. But uh, it was a gracious, it was a very, it was homemade, and it was delicious, and it was um, a full, like, 12-course meal with dessert. (laughs) It was wonderful. So I didn't really start accepting money until, gosh, after my first child was born, and that was $10. So you developed, and you honed your craft, and you made sure that you understood the cards and and Mm. what the story was that they were telling you and yes and plus you had your lovely mother and and your grandmother to help guide you yes you know it's interesting about the cards and my situation because I was exposed to one deck of cards and they were one deck and they were from Europe and they were very old and there was no book so I learned what they taught me the face value meant so when I was in my 20s Joe and I my husband and the father of my children and I were talking about it over dinner and he said well there are probably books out there you could buy and I said you know I haven't seen any book people had just opened I went down to meet the owner and we ended up uh, Texas parapsychology anyway we'll get to that in a minute but he was very much a metaphysical person and he purposely purchased what was available at the time printed in America he found that most were printed in Europe but he was trying to support the American people and he and uh, businesses and he found out that the uh, Americans would write them but they'd have to send them overseas to get them printed usually in Paris or or or, or England somewhere usually London there's you can look nowadays and go all the way back but that's why you hear me always say go back as far as you can because everything else is regurgitation and explanation so go all the way back when you buy a book about anything metaphysical please folks do that it's um regurgitation that's the best word I have for it but we all know that certain society changes our social um our social speak changes it's like the bible being interpreted but we don't know we can't look at a line in the bible and say that's the way it was written the first time because it's been translated so many languages with cards that doesn't change you can track that back 
and when you when other people come along and write their version of it they leave enough of it to put a book that was written in 1700 right next to it and say see the words are the same you can't change the tarot face value what you do with the face value is you let the tar- the cards teach you how to read and express their 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 story exactly yeah so if you mix certain cards together you can have five readers at the table they'll give you a the pretty much the same reading but they have different cards together it's yeah. how the cards have taught them did we get off track here no sure. no because i went i i really you're fascinating to speak with so i just kind of let you go on a roll because i <laughs> i i understand that like you know, the tarot, the the expression, the face value of tarot cards are not going to change. How it is expressed through an individual's reader's experiences, biases, filters, all of that is going to be, a, you know, it's going to be different. But the face value of the card always stays the same. Stays the same. And if somebody, a minister is reading, um, it's the same thing with with religion you can have five different religions at the table and they're they're talking about the same verse it, the verse is not going to change but how they teach it may change exactly and so I, it's it yeah. i think it's just a beautiful thing and you know i think you're really unique because you have that experience of exposure and knowledge of the tarot as well as being able to connect it to the Bible. And oh, I love able, it. Yeah. That is, you know, that can be mind-blowing when you start to dig into it. Because it's like you said, like, have you ever heard the expression, um, there's only 13 stories to tell in Hollywood, and they're just <laughs> regurgitated? <laughs> okay. <laughs> there <are> only 13? <laughs> I I could be wrong. Somebody might have to fact check me on that. But that's, you know, that I would say that's the rumor on the Internet streets, on the streets of the Internet. Um, that's the gossip, huh? Yeah, that that is the gossip. I love it. I love it. But it goes oh, back Lord. to all the stories that were told in the Bible. All the stories that were told in all of the religious texts have been retold over and over and over. Oh. The yeah. times, the language, the expression of that story has always changed. I mean, when you think about how many different stories throughout time is there, you know, boy meets girl. Oh, yeah. You know. Starting with Adam and Eve, if there was an Adam and Eve. If, if, exactly. Or, and I love to think that there was. <laughs> I love to think that, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I so, it, it's, an, it, it's kind of like a sick thriller. If if you think about it, like it like starts out all sweet and nice and kind, and then it really it really takes some serious plot twists <laughs> that you're like, what? I mean, yep. if, if that story was never told in the Bible and they put it on Netflix now, I wonder what the ratings would be. <laughs> oh my god, fascinating story. Well, um, in different religions, I mean, that's why we have twelve tribes, right? Because of right. twelve differences. Exactly. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's 12, 12 different opinions, 12 differences. And maybe they just threw in one for a baker's dozen, a 13th for, <laughs> here, let's make you up know, I don't. I don't mean to be disrespectful here. So to your listeners or your seers yeah. at this point, don't get all ticked off at me. But I, I, I've often wondered about 
let's say, a group of monks, a hundred. They're sitting in this candlelight cave or the bowels of some church, and they're hand copying the Bible so they can pass out more Bibles. And their, their wrist and their hands and their fingers are ink dyed that will never come off again because they're having to use this quell or whatever. And somebody drops an E or adds a B-U-T or leaves out a sentence or leaves out one word or changes. Okay, we get that from the original. And then 50 years later, another group of people in another language are reading that and they don't even have a word that fits. Do you know the Japanese do not have a word for vacation? I, I think I've heard that. They don't. So let's say this second monk looks at it and goes, we don't, we don't have, hey, do we have a word for, it? no, we don't. Okay, what are we going to put in there? I, you know, I've, I've said this so many times in my lifetime. If I could read Hebrew and go back and read what I know to be the absolute first page, I bet just one page of the Bible would give me five lifetimes to study. That's right. So I have so much respect for it. Hebrew. Can they please get in contact with Elaine? <laughs> and Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I, I have people now that can read Hebrew, but I would love to see some of the books that I know are in, 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 in Rome that the public has never seen. Oh, I know. That's what I say. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what, what books of the Bible are in this like immaculate vault somewhere oh yeah well you know and, they're, and i they're, imagine somebody comes in there once a week unbeknownst and just dusts them off and has like no clue what they are that's I just hope they do. i hope they do there there there's a book called the bible and the tarot oh yeah and and it is said that the tarot is is very much well tau means um book of truth uh toth but there is a there's a wonderful book called the Bible and the Tarot and how they they interconnect and how the Tarot the tarot, uh, the writer Wait Deck was 25 27 years in research and making and he purposely went hundreds of years back as far back as he could for religious influence because there's a saying or another belief that the Tarot was intended to teach the Bible and it supposedly was found in the 1500s in, on the Tao River somewhere. Um, all kinds of stories about how nobody really knows how it came to be. But we know that it came together in a variety of years. We know that from the way nobody sat down and did all 78 cards at the same time with intended meanings. You can go to, to European museums now and see enormous tapestries. That of the major arcana cards, particularly, and they it took generations. Some families would take generations creating these these tapestries, and supposedly there was uh, in London in a variety of castles. There were all there were all of the major arcanas, but none of the minor. There are so many stories about the names that, and some have been proven. They've been validated of the characters that go back into the Golden Dawn and some of the other organizations there I, and I call them characters with a lot of love but they were somewhere as crazy as a loon but they were crazy smart 
crazy smart and so full of knowledge but they were scary i'll let you folks go look but um, public domain is a great place just type in public domain and all kinds of stuff will pop up and then you type in just one simple word tarot don't if you type in metaphysics you will have more rabbit holes to go down if you're interested in astrology numerology i don't care reiki you can go to public domain and you can find books sometimes called journals remember when you're looking on the public domain that different words mean different things to different generations right so yeah you have to think keep that in mind too um where are we in your list well we're we're doing really really extraordinarily well i was actually (laughs) going to comment that when I do go over to Europe, I specifically love to go to almost any type of museum, you know, Orsay or um, the Louvre. I know those are, you know, two of the biggest ones. But when you stare at some of these tapestries that are, you know, twice the height of me and, you know, yeah, two sizes of me, you got to wonder how long. And heavy, and heavy, heavy, heavy. heavy. How long did that take? And when you look at some of these portraits, it's amazing the stories that you can just look at them and wonder all the symbolism that's involved in that, the storytelling that's just involved in that one single portrait. I mean, you know, it, it picture says a thousand words. And one of the things that one thing about the tarot cards is that they're Every single line, every single color, every single everything on that card means something and has an influence on the meaning. It isn't always part of the meaning, but an influence. Like on the Two of Cups, there's a man off on the left-hand side, kind of in the middle of the card. He's a little bitty guy, and he has his back, and it looks like a young girl and a young boy that are really telling the story about the the Two of, of Cups, but this little guy is back here. And you yep. wonder, where is he just somebody in the crowd just moving around? No. Bomber. He, he really, when you look into the research of that particular symbol, he's basically has the younger younger child's back. Yep. It's it's uh there's so many things about the cards. It really is a lifetime study. And and there are different people that that created different cards, but the rider weight to me, and that's my opinion, is the most difficult to learn most difficult to hear when it's teaching you and because they took so many years in putting things together weight is patricia weight she's the artist under the direction of writer so it's she grew up with him she started the artwork i think when she was 17 young very very young i may have the wrong date and then she grew up with him yeah she grew up with this man giving her under instruction and didn't make a whole lot of money out of, out of no, the deal. She never properly got, she never ever properly got credit. And I can say from, you know, reading the Tarot, it's constantly teaching you. It is a tool that will always, you know, you will forever be learning from. And yes. it is it is not easy to learn the tarot. It can be very it can be very it's complex, it's rich, um, and there's a lot to it. And I think, you know, some readers pick it up right away. 
and some readers are like, ah, but it all, all, you know, it all depends. We're all, we're all different. What resonates with one of us might not resonate with all of us, but I think a lot of listeners would also get a kick out of, you mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to talk to you about your work with, um, with um, Texas Parapsychology Group. Colonel Jackson. Colonel Jackson. And he was indeed a colonel. He had been an Air Force colonel before he retired. He, I don't know when he discovered, um, I do know when he got involved with metaphysics. He was stationed in England. And he'd always had an interest in astrology. There may be some people out there that hear this. And if you have any stories about Colonel Jackson, please contact Tracy and share them with her. Because I, when I get my podcast called The Ancients up and running, I, I, we can't interview him. He died so many years ago. And I have no idea how to deal, how to, how to find his, his, uh, his family. His wife has long passed. But I know he had some children, but I don't, have no idea where they are but colonel jackson i'm sorry what when did you start working with him in my 30s uh texas parapsychology association was a um certified arm of uh the london they're housed in the london tower and it's the uh london parapsychology association and for many many years that thing's over 200 years old that organization for many years it was a place of validation for predictions and and writings and journal writings articles written and so forth and people would handwrite type typewrite whatever and just send it to the london parapsychology association and it would be filed under your name you had a file there and over the years, I don't know. I haven't kept up with it. Over the years, they may have gone on a database, computer. I have no idea. But it literally was in the, the witch's tower, the black tower, mm-hmm. like, an office build, like an office building. And everything was validated. And you could, uh, you would be able to call in and say, I'd like a copy of so-and-so's predictions five years ago. I want to track it. Right. And they would do it. And they tracked it. They tracked it. That's they, awesome. They, yeah, it was really interesting. I have no idea how many people they had employed or volunteered. I don't know. But he found out about them, and he did some research. He found them to be so um, – they didn't believe everything they heard. They researched it. They researched it. They'd contact people that sent in predictions. They would let people know that their predictions came true, even their – relatives or whoever even if they'd passed if something happened they'd contact the people and uh being right there in london but there were arms around the united states and he applied for and got a certification to create the one that was here it was on justin avenue here in austin texas in an older house we had office there and we had meetings there and it was joe nichols and some other people that are now around that's how i met joe joe moved from another town contacted me uh to see if i'd be interested in being a part of let me let me back up joe nichols was part of north texas parapsychology association which was not part of texas parapsychology but they were hoping to blend with us except and i think i have this right the reason Colonel Jackson didn't was because they would have eliminated healers, and he thought healers were natural healers were were very very important to the metaphysical world. So he said no. 
But there were several of us that worked with John Catchings that I'd known since he was a kid with Bertie Catchings. Look her up. She was wonderful. John Catchings was just amazing. He His talent was just another story. But Joe Nichols um, and John Catchings, John thought he could talk me into being on the board because I'd known him for so long. And I said, no, thank you. <laughs> but I will help support your your growth here because there's plenty of work to go around. And what you do is just as important. You have a different take on what metaphysics mean. The field is open for everything. So Joe Nichols and I got, we've gotten to be over the years good friends. I have tremendous respect for him. And he was on the board for a long time. I don't know if uh, they're bored. I don't know if... North Texas parapsychology still exists or not. I hope some version of it does. They were out of the Dallas area. Um, wonderful readers. Some of their readers filtered into uh, our Texas parapsychology fairs and such. We started very small and grew. Um, I, a lot of us honed our skills under the watchful eye and protective eye of Colonel Jackson. I can't, I can't thank him enough. He was so... I, supportive is not even a big enough word. He was just wonderful with all of us. He seemed to know what abilities we had and and somehow directed us or he'd get us in touch with people that could help us even if they were out of town or out of state. He encouraged us to use our abilities the best way we could for the public. The best way and you I, and he was wonderful. You Did you guys ever work, tell us if you ever worked with hauntings at people's houses or helped them yes. figure out activity. Yes, we did. Usually people would call and say, I, I, have, a, I have a ghost, not a spirit. <laughs> I have a ghost and we want it gone. So we would have to go through this educating of, okay, let, let's use the right terminology here and figure out exactly what's going on. But yeah, there were, there were, um, I'm hesitant to use last names because I, some of them were in professions and may still be that uh, did not approve. We've, we've not always as a community been as open as we are able to be now, but um uh, for an example, when we tried to advertise our fairs in the old Austin American Statesman, they wouldn't let us because we were witches, the bad kind of witches. That's another let's story. Go back, we can, let's go back uh, to some of these because um, I think the listeners would really be interested in how how you help somebody who had a haunting in their house these days because we're so used to all of these shows on TV and the dramatics and, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, all of this kind of unnecessary crap that goes on. And I'd love to, if you could retell a story, I know even if you have to change names and things like that, go right ahead. There was a house in Taylor, Texas, not far from I-35, actually. It was an old house, and it was said, I don't know if this is true, there'll be historians out there that'll go, Elaine, you're full of crap, but it was supposed to be a stop on the the, the slave route. What was the name of the slave route? The that um, underground, on, underground okay. railroad thing. Um, that would have been out of, I think, direct, but it would, I, I don't know, but this house, we did. A real estate agent called us, and she had it on the market, and it was huge. It was a huge house. It had like eight bedrooms and two and a half stories, and um, 
huge rooms. I mean, you could have put a 12, 15 foot tr Christmas tree in the, in the, in the sitting room. I mean, it had all the proper plantation rooms and, and it had originally been in not, not the middle, but towards the middle of what grew up around it, which was usually corn and wheat, no tobacco, but Think I always when I saw it I thought Louisiana somebody picked that thing up and just dropped it in Texas, but uh, big front porch you know big wraparound porch. Well, the real estate agent had gone over there to get some work done, and and she's walking around and she keeps hearing a baby cry. Interesting. So she had three or four people with her, and they all went outside and they looked. They looked in the rooms, thinking some kid had broken in and gotten trapped somewhere. But it was a baby, not a kid, a baby. And they called the police. The police came out, highway department actually, and helped check. They couldn't find anything. One of the highway patrol men told her about the story of that house. And then she'd related it to us. He said, people hear sounds coming out of this house all the time. Wow. They're either laughing like we would barbecue in the backyard or their kids crying. And she did. he did tell her, one of these days, you're going to hear the chains rattle. Now, that's something that in haunted houses, people hear is chains rattling, right? Especially old houses. Okay, she went away. Well, she had the house listed. Everybody that came to look at it said there was a feeling in that house they they would have to tear it down and start it over again, just build a new one. And one man told her, I don't feel safe here. He said, I wanted farmland, but I don't feel safe here. Okay. Her daughter had gotten a reading from one of our staff readers. So she called and she said, this is what's happening do you do clearings? Do you, can you come tell us something about this place? Well, then we didn't have the equipment that they have. I mean, I don't, other than old, old aura cameras, they really didn't have the equipment that you guys have now to work with. We and you. You're we, the they, we had people, that's it. So about seven or eight of us, one Sunday morning went out there. We wanted to be there before sunrise. So we pulled up. Walked around quietly, very respectfully, took different positions outside before we went inside. Sure enough, three of our people blew their whistle. They'd heard something. And all three of them said, I hear chains rattling. Now, they're on different sides of the house, right? They hear chains rattling. And one lady said, and strong, strong, strong coffee. Like strong camping coffee grounds call okay so we went inside we poked around and we poked around we did some prayers we did some clearing we brought our sage we asked for protection for whoever whatever energies were there and all of a sudden a wind went through the there was no door on there was there was a screen on the back door but no hard door and the wind went through and it's it smelled like um i want to say magnolias but that's it was a real sweet smell, and all of us saw it, and all of us went, okay, who's, who's trying to talk to us? You don't need to play games. Just got mediums here. Just talk to us. Come out with it. <laughs> Come on. And somebody said, we're supposed to go to the kitchen and what looks like the pantry. We're supposed to lift the, lift the floor up. <sighs> the, the real estate agent looked at us and shook her head, and she said, I said, trap door? And she said, 
there's no trap door there. Well, we went, opened the door, and the door, we couldn't get it all the way open. Now, I'm going to try to describe this. You're standing on a, on a flat floor. You think you can walk over it. But when you do, it wobbles like this. Yeah. And sure enough, it was one of those one of those floors that flipped. And when it flipped, it had three steps that were not that were very dangerous. That one of the guys who had big long legs and he just kind of jumped down. And I said, Where are you going? Where what are you doing? But he was so excited that he just he had and it was it was uh you could tell it was a very, very old tunnel. And the dirt was there and it was packed and it, it was it smelled horrible but they got a, they got two shovels and they very gently were they were pulling out this dirt and thank god they didn't run into any bones but they did run into fabric and of course then we didn't know if it was kids that had been there 50 years ago you know right. we they didn't know but we called the highway department told him what was going on and i could hear the guy laughing and he said you have i'm not going to use the word he said you must be me and she said, no, we're not. This is very serious. And he said, okay, we'll call the University of Texas. And they did. They got, they got a group from archaeology. I don't, and I, yeah. they were, the place was under scrutiny for about two months. I mean, full tape around it, everything. I wonder I think if we that, could get in touch with UT and check into, I, they got to have some kind of reports on this, right? Some kind probably. of. Probably. Probably somewhere. This was back. I was in my, I was in my thirties. So that's forty, fifty years ago. So I doubt seriously that the same people are still in the department. But there's got to be some address notification or something. There's a shopping center on that that area right now. <laughs> the house did not sell. It, it sold to some somebody else, but it didn't sell to be a family, a family's home, which is what the realtor had hoped for. But. Um, they just kept digging until they found things like uh, things of chains and clothing. They found uh, uh, an old trunk with uh, curtains in it, and they found um, tin cups and tin plates. So that maybe that was a slave drive. Maybe it wasn't. It could have been employees. It could have been people that lived there over time. It could have been kids that played in it. Nobody really said anything about that. But it was a it was a fun journey. We we went there for about three three I went three days, I think. And they didn't try to keep me out other than something that just was not safe to walk around in. But they knew I had been part of that group. So did any of the mediums get direct messages besides the floorboard? Yeah, they did. I mean, that was a direct hit because I mean that would that that's a hundred percent. That's a that's a foul hit. And the agent that had it listed, she'd been in and out of that pantry a dozen times or more, and that had never happened. So, can you, can you remember any of the other messages that some of the mediums got from spirit? Like, were they? Was it just a lot of residual energy? Was it actually a conscious spirit that was still there? There was a, there were enough reports of children and children's voices that the agent ask some of the old timers what were some of the history what so some of the stories about that place and there they said a lot of kids had worked around the house to make a little bit of money over okay. over the years like mowing or you know whatever and they would report hearing 
children. So evidently that was a place where children felt safe even though they worked. And the, the children just kept coming up. Children, children, children. And Toby, the name Toby, and uh, Sh- not Charlotte, Cheryl, the, the, the name Cheryl. Toby and Cheryl were the only names. And those are old names. I mean, yeah. those, those names have been around a long time. And one lady said she could just smell horses, horse manure. And I said, well, of course you can. This is out in the middle of, the no- middle of nowhere. You're going to smell it. She said, you don't understand. She said, I feel like I'm working with the horses. And sure enough, there had been stables there. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So if somebody's trying to debunk our work, that would be easy enough to say, yeah, right. You know, of course there were horses there. It's all they had at that time. You, you guys know? were like the original ghost hunter show. Like people would call you. You guys were the original Ghostbusters. If, if people go back, you know that where there hard. was a lot of activity early on. Yeah, was New York. New oh, York sure. had. Oh my God, we were all and I, and stories out of Boston. We were always hearing stories out of Boston. Colonel Jackson would say, well, what do you guys get about such and such and such and such? Got another call from so-and-so up north. And they were trying to see if we would pick up, do long-distance, what they call long-distance viewing, which is a fancy work for psychic. But, um, And he'd give us assignments. You know, he'd, he'd say, what do you get about this address? What do you get about this name? What do you get about this whatever? And... And it was always fun to send that information on back to, yeah. And would you get a response from that? Oh, absolutely. He wouldn't do any work for anybody unless they guaranteed a response. No, because he wanted us to be validated. So we could validate it for the public and our organization because whatever we did, reports went back to the London office. Everything we did went back to the London office. How fun. It was fun. I met, I I cherish the years that we were able to work together as an organization. It, um, I made lifelong friends, some that are still yeah. with us, like Joe Nichols, some that are not. Um, there are. Joe Nichols uh, is a wonderful um, palmistry to row reader as well. He's in Austin, Texas. And yes. So if you do want a session with him, I would probably get on top of that. Because he, who knows, he could retire at any moment, folks. Yeah, and he teaches. He's still teaching. His name is spelled N-I-C-O-L-S. There's no H in it. Yes. N-I-C-O-L-S. Absolutely fabulous. Um, yes, he there's is. There's very few people that I will let really go in depth and, and do a session for me, and he's one of them. He doesn't... You know, I almost said he doesn't read the tarot. I don't know that that's a true statement, but he does but read. You know uh, what he does? He does the playing cards. Yes, that's what he's he does, wonderful. Really. He's and palmistry. Wonderful. Yes, palmistry, and uh, I'm sorry, folks, not tarot. Um, he reads uh, playing cards. Plain regular deck of fifty-two. Yep, plain and that's boy, yeah. is he, he is just boom. He's, you know, a lot. I'll say this right now. There are a lot of us that use a tool and and I would not I would not even think about not using my tarot cards but after you've done this work for a while you don't need your tool now if you have an astrology or numerology where you're charting something that's half of that reader's toolbox because they're going to do your chart but then they're going to explain the chart and as they explain it other metaphysical psychic 
energy will come through and they'll share that with you. Astrology, numerology, uh, I always say this word wrong, scrying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like looking, well, it's not the same thing as looking at a crystal ball. That's the one thing we're missing these days in Austin. We, I don't know anybody that's reading a crystal ball. And in the past, we have had some wonderful crystal ball readers and they've just kind of gone away. They seem to be replaced by skulls. But when you go to a reader that's been doing this for the public for a while, he or she has honed their skills with every single reading that they've done for the public. And if they somehow don't pull out the deck of cards or say, let's say that's what they're doing and you want them to, they will. But a lot of times they don't need the cards. I, I know people and I've done it in the past too, where I can have a conversation with them and all these cards float above their heads. No, I'm not crazy, but it's like read having a conversation and doing a reading at the same time. Yes. And I'll tell you folks, when she, Elaine was my first, my first mentor and we would go to her little cottage on Clarkson <laughs> Avenue. Clarkson. <laughs> on Clarkson Avenue in Austin, Texas. And it looked like a witch's house, a psychic's house. It straight up looked like one. And uh she would tell us all the time, you know, you guys are eventually you're your own tool. You're you're your own best intuitive and mediumship tool. You you know, these are just door openers, these are avenues, these are triggers, these are you know, get your motor running. These are, are, you know, they're all wonderful, but it, it's you, you, you are that instrument as well. And you won't need that. And like, it boggled my mind when I first began, because it was, it was, you know, I was like a a little baby just starting to learn how to like walk on the side of the table. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, you're not going to take my table away from me. That's okay. I I love any tool. I'm always fascinated by somebody else's expertise. It just I love to just watch other people do their readings, and listen when I'm allowed. That's another thing you you try to protect your client from other people listening. But I'm not an astrologer. I'm not a numerologist. I'm not a color therapist. I'm but the tarot has all of those in there. I say I know just enough to get myself in trouble, (laughs) and And because out of trouble as well. Right. Every single card, especially the major arcana cards, have an association with astrology, numerology, so on. So it's um, it's very important to learn that, to have the, the basis for that and to use it because otherwise you're kind of cheating your client out of information. Yes. And there again, you ha- it depends on how much time you have to go into each card with, with a client. You know, if you've only got 15 minutes at a fair, 30 minutes, you don't so have a lot of time. You can do. No. You just have yes. to really hit hit it. And so you worked with Texas parapsychology on a lot of, I keep going back to the haunting stuff on a lot of, of um, when people talk to me, oh, you do paranormal investigations and stuff. Have you ever been to the Driscoll? And I'm like, there's a lot of other better places here in Austin besides the Driscoll. No offense against the Driscoll, uh, you know, no disrespect at all, but there's a lot of other other uh, investigations and spirits to be able to talk to, especially in in downtown. Did you guys from ever- the lake from Ladybird? Well, I call it Ladybird Lake. Um, yeah, I'm an old timer. All the way to the Capitol. Now you want to really be in a spooky place after it's closed, and that's the Capitol. I bet. And it's real hard. The guards don't want anybody pulling back they want when the doors close they want for security purposes everybody gone but um 
Were you ever able to get in there with the with Jackson? Not with Colonel. With Colonel was with us, but there were four of us, and we had been there for a a kind of a conference during the day um, that had nothing to do with metaphysics. It was something Colonel Jackson was interested in, and he knew one of the security guards. And the security guard stayed with us. He did not let us roam free at all. And he walked us around. Now, most of the doors were shut. The office doors were shut, most most locked. I don't know if they still do that or not. But just to stand in the rotunda, in the middle of the rotunda, and just feel the energy and separate the politics and the history out of it and just feel what's in that building and what the, the ground that it's on. I mean, you don't have to be in the building. Just walk the grounds. Hug a tree. Oh, my God. It's just, it's an amazing group of people that are there. And walking around the statues outside, uh, I know now they have it really cornered off where you can't, you can't get in and out certain times. But that particular day was a Sunday. It had been really busy. We had been, um, we'd been conferencing and kind of following his footsteps all day. And he knew a lot of people there. And for him to know the security guard that just for about an hour let us dilly-dally with him, it was a wonderful experience. I said, do they ever turn the lights out? He said, no. I don't know whether they do now or not. I meant the rotunda lights and all that stuff. But we left there probably close to midnight. I imagine in my mind there's a lot of hearing of footsteps in a place like that. You want to hear footsteps? Go to an insane asylum. See, I'm old-fashioned. That's what I call those places. But um, there's one in Dallas that's closed now. It's outside of Dallas, actually. Um, it had been in the country at one time, and, and the building may not even be standing anymore. But I was at a psychic fair in Dallas for North Texas Parapsychology, and it was a three-day deal. And I stayed over, spent the night, and went to visit a friend's sister. She was a, another psychic. And her sister was there in this, in, and had been for many, many years, at least 10 years, if not more. And there was no hope of her ever going home. Now, in today's world, they may have been able to help her. Then, they couldn't. But we went to visit. And I, I actually went with her and stayed in the lobby area didn't want to upset the lady's routine or their visit or whatever and then we were getting in the car and coming back to Austin so I'm in the lobby area which was small and lovely and warm in fact they had a fireplace going which really surprised me considering where it was hmm. but um I'm serious it did I I was surprised they had an open fire there that under those circumstances yeah and visiting with people who would wander by or you know other people waiting for their somebody who's like I was, but I could constantly hear fire uh, footsteps. Now, most of the people that worked there wore rubber sole shoes. So I'm thinking, okay, these are visitors. And I turn around and look, and there wouldn't be anybody coming. And there, was, there, were, there were three um, hallways, and to step up or down on, at each hallway, were three steps, which also surprised me because there was no way for wheelchairs or 
you know, some people can't, when they're in a mental institution, they're in wheelchairs for, for whatever reason. But I would hear, so I finally said something to one of the nurses about it. And she said, oh, we hear footsteps all the time. But she just kept walking like I'm not going to talk about it. So when I got back to Austin, I, I called Colonel Jackson and he said, yes, he said, people tend to hang around mental institutions long after the building has been torn down. So what steps were they walking up? At one time, there may not have been an elevator. There may have been just steps to get from floor to floor. But he said, hospitals, but particularly mental institutions, are footstep heavens. Constant movement. Constant movement. I can see that. That that does make sense because a lot of people are, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of paranoia. There's a mm. lot of, you know, a lot of trauma. There's a lot going on in there that's swirling around all at once with no kind of real good direction on what to do or where to go with it. Right. Yeah. And that makes a whole lot of sense. And so um, it's, it's very interesting, folks, when... Um, when me and Elaine drive around the houses, <laughs> the places, <laughs> two psychics in a car and two psychic mediums go for a drive. And um, of course, you know, what are we going to find? <laughs> or what catches what our going, attention. Exactly. Or what is going to find us is sometimes now that's pro- that's more it it's like somebody reaches out you know and says it, pay attention to us we want some company <laughs> it, pay attention and and uh the little small town that she lives in um in uh elgin uh, i love I, my elgin i know elgin is really <laughs> so super cute and uh, last, late last summer, I went out one day out to visit her, and we were going to do some running around and everything like this. And I kept noticing this um, brick Victorian. On Main Street. On Main Street. <laughs> and I'd driven by there ever since she had moved out there a few years ago and just was looking at that house. And I, I just was like, oh, it needs some love. Please, somebody buy it. And then we noticed somebody bought it and started working on it. Yeah. It was, it's a big two-story on a big piece of land story. considering it's downtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just kept pulling me and pulling me. And one day I went to go pick up a lane and we went to the grocery store and we're leaving the grocery store. And I said, can we go by, can we go by that, that Victorian <laughs> over there? She said, yeah. We can. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we, we drive up and we've got no plan. We see people outside that are obviously workers working on the house at, at some kind of point. And, and uh, Elaine being um, a real estate agent and an old teacher, I said, you go in. They'll, you know, you, you can you can kind of, you know, knock and walk in situations like this. I, I really can't. They're going to look at me sideways, but you, they're going to welcome with all open arms. <laughs> so we being have, older has its advantages too. <laughs> yes. Being older does have its advantages. And so I said, okay, I'll just follow your lead, Elaine. You just go on up and do your thing and I'll back you up. 
we just, I just kept feeling like there's something in this house that needs us or there's somebody that needs us. And I just thought the worst that they can do is tell us to, you know, kick rocks, right? Get out, you know, shoo, shoo, go away. And so we walk into the house and of course, Elaine just starts charming the, the, the owner right away. (laughs) And I'll let you talk. Well, he he's actually the son of the owner, and oh, yeah. he's over the construction. It's an old, old, old place, and it's um, they're they're not gutting it. They're 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 remodeling with great respect, Very, as far as I'm yes. concerned. And they they kept those pocket doors. Yeah, they kept they've kept a lot of it. They truly have not beaten down doors. They've just but they found a way to open it up without destru- without destruction, which is wonderful. And they're big big bay windows and uh, a, a, a patio upstairs off the big master bedroom and but around every corner there's a story oh yes I don't know how many people have lived in that house how many different families but you can feel the energy change and you can always you can almost figure out why this when this room or why this room was added because you can see the original footprint in the house. I, I, I showed Tracy, this is the original footprint. And the guy looked at me kind of funny, and I said, real estate, sorry. And But you can tell when they added five feet and a window. And you can add when that you can see when they added the other fireplace. And it, that doesn't take anybody psychic. You just have to pay attention. But this guy did not expect us to be able to do that. And he starts telling us about what their intentions are and it, it's it's a I'm sure that every every house on Main Street has a story, but there's something very different about this house. Very different. And they're working on it again. When I was going to San Marcos yesterday, there there were people out there. There there are people still trying yeah. to clean up after our ice 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 mess. But um they've picked up to work on it again. We were out again were not long shocked. ago. They were pretty shocked when we did yeah. tell them about what was there before what was there yeah <laughs> with, and, with the doors and and knowing where little secret hideaways were that even yeah. if it's new construction you couldn't have figured that out he was really open he he um he's lost a member of his family not too long ago and he says he goes to a certain room and talks to her all the time so he was open to what we had to share with him and she asked if some day perhaps she couldn't bring her crew and and do a full what you call it on the house and hopefully that will happen because it's a house that needs to be shared it's just it's a beautiful energy just beautiful one of the softest energies i've ever run into if you want to call it a haunting and and I asked him, I, or, and I think you did too, have you picked up anything here? But I don't remember what he said. Since he, that was after he said about talking to his family member. You know, I think I cut him off at that point because I told him, if I come back for an investigation, I don't want to know. That's right. Okay. I want to come in That's here why I don't remember not it. really know all, you know, I don't want confirmation just yet. Yeah. And, 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 and he, he said we were welcome, so we'll yeah. see. And so that, you know, that episode will be coming to you soon. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. 
No, we could stay, we we could stay in Elgin for a year and do, and do go up and down Main Street. Oh God, yeah, two psychics go on a car ride the other day. What did we find? We found two haunted houses, and I said, "Where there's a funeral home over here? I know it. I feel it. A funeral home and a graveyard." Sure enough, we turned the corner, and there it was. There it was. <laughs> there we came was. in their back door. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, we drove in their back. I was door. like, boy, that those houses over there seriously need some love. But the but the funniest part about it was we said. Let's just take a drive. Let's check out Elgin after the ice storm. We pull up to the Brick Victorian because we wanted to make sure the oak trees, the huge oak trees that they had outside, if they had made yeah, it. It's gorgeous. And, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in no coincidence. And we're sitting there and we're just kind of, you know, uh, looking at the house. We pulled over and here comes this gentleman running out of the house, running right over to his car. And I said, Elaine, I said, I think that's the owner's father. He looks exactly like him, only 25 years old. Sure enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Sure enough, it, it was, was him. And we rolled down the window and said hi and introduced ourselves. And real nice fellow. Come on, you know, come on back whenever. What I like, too, is we kept driving around a little bit. We went down a street that was a little narrow, but she wanted to see this house a little closer, so we did. And then we took a right, and she said, those two houses are connected. And I slowed down. I actually came to a stop. And sure enough, there was a stained glass window on one side on our left. And there was exact identical stained glass window in the, on, uh, in the house on the right. Yeah, yeah, those houses were connected. And that house on the right, oh, they both, they, oh, I, oh, I don't know what was going on inside those two houses. But, you know, you were going to need a lot more in Sage. Um, oh yeah it was not good <laughs> no it wasn't and i think it was connected to that funeral home that was because we found the funeral home we went around the corner like I, said, Actually, I thought it was a corner people. but it was their parking yeah, lot i was <laughs> like i was like there are like i feel a lot of dead people and i feel a lot of graveyard and boom there was the graveyard and the funeral home when we turned the corner and one of these days we have so many graveyards around here i passed two of them on the way home yes i live in the middle of the country um there i would like to walk with respect some of the the graveyards some of the older older graveyards i, I have like a friend maybe we could do an episode about that that, that would be fun fun it would be yeah, interesting i know we're, I mean we're no disrespect. People who say like fun is you know going to cemeteries out you know um, <laughs> i would actually find it a bit morbid and romantic all at the same time which shows you how weird i am <laughs> one of my dear friends um, is a professional photographer and his specialty is is uh cemeteries and he loves to go to the cemeteries that are around churches old ones he spent something like four months in europe and that's all he photographed oh. he went specifically and he would go he went to uh, ireland scotland and wales and he got permission to go in some um uh, 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 old, old, old churches that have fences around them that nobody can go to anymore mm-hmm. and took pictures of the insides of the churches and the graveyards. And some of them only had like a dozen. They were, they were that old and people had gone away and, or died or whatever. But, and some of the, the, uh, he said what amazed him was that the government had made sure that they were that they were taken care of no matter how remote 
they were that the tombstones weren't broken and well somewhere but just he took some of the most war heartwarming pictures i know people are going to think we're crazy but i so value the people that walked on earth and spent their time there and and i'm glad that they're honored with a headstone or you know no matter how simple it is but nobody deserves to be forgotten right and he took beautiful pictures he would go out early morning sunrise he'd he'd go scout and get a feeling for what how that could be shown the best with the lighting and everything and sometimes he would get uh, elders or even young people of the villages or the homes around there to come join him especially if they were relatives of the people that he was taking the picture so and he had to get permission sometimes but his work is incredible just a coffee book that would make a wonderful like coffee book coffee table book i think that's his intention i would there there are some coffee table books out there about like abandoned houses and graveyards oh yeah that's like come to mama that's my yeah uh to just be able to look at it but folks this was an amazing amazing first conversation And if you like this conversation, give us some comments, give us some likes, follow us on social media, and, you know, let us know what you think about this. And we are definitely going to be having a lot more conversations with Elaine, because as you can tell, she is a wealth of knowledge, guys. So haunted road trip show, guys. Thank you for that. I, I always tell people, I don't want to remember it all. I don't want to remember it all. I don't know it all, but I probably know somebody that does. <laughs> somebody that knows questions. I'm getting to in inviting your your listeners or your viewers or both to uh, to think of questions or something they might want to ask, whether it's you or me or somebody else that you have, because you're going to be open to sharing information. Oh yeah. So if there is a subject that you want any of us to top on because she's going to have some wonderful people on her show let her know so she'll so she'll know who to ask to come on yeah i definitely that is definitely coming down and i can't wait to release some of the episodes of haunted road trip shows with all of our investigations and all of our fun two psychics in a car I mean, you know. That'd be a, that would be a good title for a show. Two psychics, you know, two psychics in a car just driving around town. We we'll, have to, we'll have to tell them about our Corpus Christi trip one day, but we oh. don't have time. I know. Oh, oh good God. That's still Come back good. for that one, folks. It's a tearjerker, so come yeah, back for that Yeah, it's one. a tearjerker, and, and you, oh, good God. You've got some pictures to contribute to that one. I, we certainly do. But, folks, thank you so much for sticking around and join us next time on Haunted Road Trip Show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for staying. And thanks for having me, Tracy. I appreciate it. Oh, it no was fun. worries. Thank you for tuning into the Haunted Road Trips Show, where we share powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before up until now. Remember to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Haunted Road Trips show. And remember, paranormal history is dying to be heard.